And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every single freaking episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, Kaz leads a strike team to investigate a mysterious Resistance distress signal. There will be... Sonara is a tank in this episode. CB23 takes one for the team. And guys, guys, you know how I said in last week's episode that I, I promised Chris, I promised Chris that I wouldn't make Hamilton jokes. I lied. I lied. You're a filthy liar, <laughs> Molinax. <laughs> We're, we're talking about the miss, missing agent this week. But I got to thinking, I went through, what, four seasons of us doing Rebels, and every time Callis showed up, I sang Alexander Callis, and having David Diggs in an episode, you're not expecting me to at least make a few Hamilton jokes? I'm That's hoping. I got a hope, right? Or I, I got, well, I, I guess you got a hope. Hope's got a hope, I guess. <laughs> I had to make some. Come on. I didn't record. Alexander Callis is waiting in the wings for you for four fucking seasons of Rebels and not do Hamilton. At least a couple. I had to put some in there. I just had to. So, how you doing? By the way, we're talking about the missing agent. I can't. In my evil laughter, I can't remember if I said that. No, you said it. You said it. You said it a couple times. Oh, there's an agent this week. And now it's threes. There we go. See that Hamilton's rotting your mind. <laughs> how you doing, Chris? Good. I'm doing good too. I had a nice day. Just worked on podcast outlines today and talking a little bit with Arzu and having a good time working on some fan fiction. My uh, High Republic oh. fan, yeah, my High Republic fan fiction is coming right along. I'm working on chapter eleven, so that's fun. Not filing for bankruptcy of fan fiction. I promise. Oh, you beat me to the joke. <laughs> I could feel it. I could feel the joke like in the back of my mind. Like he's going to a bankruptcy <laughs> joke. I just know it. I know. Chris. It's like you can feel the dad energy rising. Dad energy, right? Did she say chapter 11? That's bankruptcy. Are you going bankrupt, Hope? <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Self high five. <laughs> you doing all right today, man? Yeah, I'm doing okay. That's good. It was a hot, sweaty day in Rochester. Oh, it was a hot, sweaty day in Atlanta. So we are in the dog days of summer for sure. It's taken the energy out of Bernice. She hasn't been running me ragged today. She just has been like, hey, give me food. All right, pet me a little. All right, leave me alone. I'm good. That's pretty much all of our cats. Like, they've just been sleeping on the porch, like, out in the on the sun. Just like, ugh. It's, 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 not, it's not to the point. If, it get, if we get another two or three hot days in a row, maybe I'll break out the, like, wet towel 
and and give her the wet see i haven't given her the wet towel treatment some cats really love the wet towel treatment what is the wet towel treatment you 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 rub them with a wet towel you get them a little wet and and uh preferably in front of a fan because then they get it immediately and they go like ooh, ho, ho, because it just starts cooling them off and uh some cats will just like go nuts for it. I'm afraid she'll go nuts for it and I'll have to be wet toweling her off all the she'll just be walking around the house like swaddled in wet towels. <laughs> I should try it out with Zeb because he's just he's so big and so fluffy. Like he he is actually I should specify the girls have been sleeping on the porch in the sun. Like he will go outside for about two minutes and just be like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, you sort of <laughs> pet him with the towel and it's like grooming for it feels like you know you, you sort of groom him with it, you know, you, you you don't just like flop the towel on him. Although we've I've had cats before that like once they know that the towel is wet, they don't really you don't have to trick them with grooming or something. They're just like, yeah, wet me down. And they'll just flop in front of a fan and that would actually be pretty be good for Zeb because he's so fat that he cannot yeah. cannot fully groom himself he can't reach parts <laughs> of his body and yeah you know how sometimes the cats will make that little l shape with their legs to like clean the butt he yeah. tried that one time and practically did a somersault forward like yeah, he just couldn't do it <laughs> yeah could just could get to the like top of his belly button and then yeah Yep, yep. He cannot reach his back. And so I actually have a fun game where I will throw treats into like his his side and he's so fluffy that the treat just vanishes and he starts looking for it, like, where is it? And he'll stand up and sometimes the treat falls out. <laughs> sometimes right. he carries it around. So it's it's fun. He's he's a good boy. He's a big fat boy and I love him. So I'll do that sometimes with I'll I'll be playing with the string with the cat and then she'll get like bored and just stand there and I'll go like, oh, OK, and just throw the string on her back. And sometimes she'll just walk around for 10 or 15 minutes with the string still hanging on her back. Just lazy. Uh, I know they're cute. I need to switch these notes around. There we go. Right. Sorry, I forgot to switch the notes around. Aha. Well, I'm excited about this episode. What did you think of it? It was a good episode. It was a good episode. It's um, it's another one. It's just sort of like an adventure episode, you know. It doesn't, fr you know, it's a it's a one and done, all on its own sort of thing. With it's just after, right it's after we've had, right it's after not we a one start, and done. It has a fucking cliffhanger. <laughs> well, you, I mean, like story wise, it's it's uh, it's it like we we were all we were getting set up with Tam and stuff last episode now i don't remember about part two so maybe tam's in part two but this episode was just sort of an event you know getting getting out of a situation on another planet and and sort of they so so where this one's different for me is the tone is clearly different and yes. this, is, this goes to what i was saying last week where i feel like starting with last week's episode to the end of the season it feels like what should be the end of season three and because there's just a complete tonal shift. I mean, fuck, Cass gets shot in the arm. Like, Sonara gets the crap beaten out of her. Like, well, you this know, is like, not the, the cute Kaz's curse, like, running well, around. I'm almost looking feeling people. like they're maybe upping the stakes a little bit to say, like, yeah, the stakes are getting up. People might get hurt and killed more in the future or something. I was thinking that same thing. I'm like, two of the characters got injured in 
in this episode. And uh, but uh, I don't know this this episode had some a little bit of uh, Clone Wars and Rebels energy to it. Absolutely. Um, I would absolutely agree with that. This uh, really does remind me, actually, in a lot of ways, of a Clone Wars episode. And, um, yeah, yeah, like, the stakes are so much higher, it feels, and it's so much more dangerous. And I'll get into that. I have a few notes about that, so. Well, you ready? I'm ready. The Missing Agent is the 33rd episode of Star Wars Resistance, and it aired on December 22nd, 2019, so Merry Christmas 2019. It was written by Brandon Allman and directed by Stuart Lee. And some extra information for you. Nora God, T- 2019 wasn't that long ago. It seems so long ago. It seems like it's five years. Doesn't Resist- it? It does. Resistance ended in early 2020. Jesus. Yeah, it ended, oh like, I God. think, like, like the last like February, I think, or first or second week of February of twenty twenty nine of twenty twenty. Like it feels like it was five years ago, but it was oh like God. you know, like a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wow. I know, right? Right. I always for, I always forget that. <laughs> when our um our buddies of our friends of the force when they did the very first remembering resistance day, they're like, Yeah, resistance ended one year ago. And I was like, What? resistance ended like four years ago no it didn't (laughs) anyway some extra information for you norath keeve is voiced by david diggs his other works include blackish the tv show version of snowpiercer blind spotting which he is also the writer and producer for but diggs is best known for the roles of lafayette and thomas jefferson in the broadway musical hamilton axe targren uh, Tigrin. His name is Tigrin, but I always want to pretend there's an extra R there. Axe Tigrin is voiced by Joe Manjit. Oh, I meant to practice this. Manganiello. 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 I meant to practice Manganiello. Manganiello. I'm so sorry. I meant to practice that and I forgot. I'm sorry. I had to make dinner. Um, his Manjit other. Yellow. His other works include True Blood, How I Met Your Mother, and the 2002 Spider Man movie for the role of Flash Thompson. Somebody, somebody, ra- somebody rated True Blood for this episode, huh? Rated? Yeah, there's there's two True Bloods in this, in two True Blood actors in this episode. Who's who's the other? David Diggs. Oh, is he in True Blood? He's Lafayette. Was... It says the roles of Lafayette. Oh, and. That's a different. Oh, oh, I see. You're. That's different, Lafayette. It's but not Lafayette is, from. Okay. No, 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 no. That's a different Lafayette. But there is a character named Lafayette in True Blood. Yes. But yeah, yeah. I see. Okay, yeah. Um, and finally, uh, Lychee is voiced by Fred Armisen. His other works include Archer, Saturday Night Live, Portlandia, and the new series. As of this recording, Schmigadoon. And yes. and so, is it good? I don't know. I I I was just gonna say, like, Portlandia is pretty fun. Fred Armisen's pretty funny. There's a great. He did. I think it was just a short, probably Netflix series. Whatever Portlandia is on, probably. But he did parodies of, um, and I think it was with that guy Bill Hader. They did parodies of famous documentaries. And they did a documentary, if anybody's ever seen the movie Grey Gardens. 
And if you haven't seen Grey Gardens, run out and see it. It's like, you know, in this day and age of documentaries, you can see the documentary that started the modern Netflix documentary. You see, plus it's just a fountain of entertainment. But he, they do a he did he did the most brilliant parody of Grey Gardens for that. They also did a a parody of Talking Heads. Stop making sense. It was really good. I I knew his voice sounded familiar. It sounded sort of like Bill Burr's voice from uh, uh, Leechy's voice. Sounded sort of like Bill Burr from The Mandalorian. But I'm like, his voice is very familiar. So I wanted. And, I actually have a note here, um, which says a lot about this episode. These are three very big n- named voice actors. And yeah, it's. I I have a feeling a lot like. Like just from Fred Armisen, they're about the age where they'd be like, "Hell yeah, I'll do a Star Wars, <laughs> yeah, Star Wars show," you know. Or they were probably they might have been pestering to get on a in Star Wars in in some way, and and this is. But like, I just realized this. Leechy, the character, the character's design of Leechy is his species has a sort of weird lip thing, like protruding lip thing. And Fred Armisen has those kind of, has kind of big lip, like that's kind of his facial, big facial thing is he's got sort of a big mouth with big lips. He is a gran. It's the his, the name of his species is a gran. But yeah, like, I think that's it. And, and I, if you look at the, it was written by Brandon, Brandon Amen, um, who is the exec- executive producer. And we know from when Dave Filoni wrote episodes of Clone Wars and Rebels, when you get your showrunner in there writing an episode, this is a big episode. Um, so between Brandon mm-hmm. Amen's writing and these three voice actors, like it's, uh, they really put some stuff into this episode, which I agree with. I really enjoyed it. So uh, more information. Lee Chi is actually named after Lucasfilm Story Group member Lee Lin Chi, who has also provided the temporary recording voice for Lee Chi. Axe to Grin's name is derived from the pun Axe to Grind. There's your dad joke. <laughs> this might be a little too dad for me. I it's still my still my favorite like dumb piece of information was from Rebels. Which is, it's the it's the very first episode with Grande, which is the Luminara episode where they find Luminara, Luminara's corpse. But do you remember the animals that were like attack, like not attacking Hera's ship while she was waiting, but trying to mate with it? Those are called TBDs, and they got their name because when they were creating them, they put the letters T, B, and D for to be determined, and it just stuck. So they just called them TBDs. Yeah, the um, favorite random piece of Star Wars information that I like. <laughs> ELO Electric Light Orchestra's first album was called was named uh, No Answer because the when the the record company was getting ready to press the album, they just they didn't have a name for the album. They just had cover art and stuff. And so the um um the guy who was in charge of it wrote to his secretary and wrote her a note that said, "Hey, can you find out what?" Can you contact ELO and find out what the name of their album is so we can put it on the name on the cover? And she tried to contact him and couldn't get a hold of him, so she wrote no answer on the <laughs> and the album was called No Answer. There's a reason that Untitled Goose Game was a thing with the name Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> anyway, more information. 
This story arc required a significant amount of world building in the design phase with a new planet, new village, and new characters. This led to several new background characters being designed for the series, including some classic alien species from the most the Moss Eisley cantina scene. Well, it's got some serious Lothal energy to it. it really feels a lot like if Lothal was a little bit more desert, like it really does feel a lot like Lothal. It's like Lothal is a little more desert and everything is sort of squished, like in the village is more squished together, is a little like more dense. Lothal and uh, like, Tatooine had a little baby. But speeder bikes hanging around and stuff. It just had a very, there was, there were like, yeah. 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 Um, both Norath and Leechy were inspired by early sketches that were left over from the pre-production work for the show. Star Wars has long been influenced by Westerns and Star Wars Resistance is no different. Varkana Village was designed to feel like an old West outpost town, including the hangar exterior, which was inspired by Adobe Spanish missions. And finally, Axtegrin's ship was custom designed for his character. From the top view, it purposely shares a similar silhouette to his head and horns. Horn? Some somebody say horn? Yeah, yes, hi. Mm-hmm. Go to hear horn. Is it me? Do you hear the somebody horn is, in your knee? Somebody is horny Yoda hears. <laughs> Very there is a horny character in this episode. Uh, 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 maybe Yoda will watch this one. Yeah, I hope you're not disappointed that it's the wrong kind of horny. <laughs> Is Yoda in it? You could be, maybe in the background. Oh. Yeah. Yoda yeah. usually only watches episodes Yoda is in. Ah, sure. Yeah, yeah, Yoda, you're totally in this one. You have to just kind of, it's like a magic eye painting. You have to just kind of like yeah. squint, your, squint your eyes and find it. Yoda Googles himself every day. Oh, so how often do you get to see Grogu come up when you Google yourself? Because he kicked not you down? Much, not as much now, but... We're in the off-season, that's true. <laughs> now, now that he named Grogu, a lot better. A lot less confusing. You're not kicked down the uh, Google Analytics search engine, are you? <laughs> Your SEO got so much better now that he's named Grogu. <laughs> yeah, Yoda's SEO's been swollen for a little while and itchy. <laughs> hey, speaking of swollen and itchy things, uh, I have a question uh, for you. Question for Yoda, yes. So, lately there has been this trend online of, for some reason, all these celebrities have come out talking about how they just don't bathe, apparently, and it's really gross. And I got to thinking, Yoda, you're famous. You know, you're you're a Jedi. You've been in movies and TV shows and stuff. You're famous, so I was curious. How often do you bathe? Mm. Mm. Very clean as Yoda, yes. Bathes maybe three times a day, yes. Three times a day? Yes, all the time. That's why your skin is so dry? Good lord. No, skin is moist. Yoda bathes like a loth cat, yes. Uh, uh, uh. Wanna see? No, Wanna no, see? no. First, Yoda starts with his foot. Oh. Uh, where's my spray bottle? Oh, shit, I gave my last spray bottle to Eli. Damn it. Oh, oh no spray bottle have you, huh? Then Yoda works up Yoda's leg. 
They're further up. <laughs> ah, okay, 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 cool, cool. You don't want to take too many baths, though, Yoda. You don't Ooh, have too many. Many baths. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks, Yoda. We always love having you on the show. Go, go watch the episode and find yourself in the episode. Yoda will watch the episode and bathe again. Mm, well, have fun. Just do it in another room behind a closed door, please. She had to ask. I know, I know. I, I was thinking like mud baths. I, I thought he would be, you know, like wallowing in mud. I was not expecting that. I walked into it. I own it. And I did give my last spray bottle to Eli. I guess he lives in a swamp, so I guess it seemed seemed safe. Uh, act one? Act one. <laughs> we open at night in an unknown town. And there is a man running through the streets with his droid. He's a Duros named Norath. And he's on the run because history has their eyes on him. Norath and his droid are running, and they're trying to get, like, there's something chasing them, and they're like, oh, God, we're not safe. So they get back to their not-so-safe house, apparently, and Norath is like, okay, 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 gotta go, gotta go. Send a distress signal, send a distress signal, let's go. And he sends the distress signal, trying to get to the resistance. And then, Axe Tergrin cuts into the door with his really sweet energy axe. I really love his axe. It's really awesome. When I when I was reading this note, I mi- missed axe first. My eyes went right over axe and, I, and it just said axe to grin cuts into the door with a sweet energy and captures <laughs> Norath. And I'm like, ooh, maybe Hope's got a new boyfriend now. No. <laughs> but that's great. He got some sweet energy. Get that sweet energy. He all came in. He was all like, Hey, Norath! And Norath's like, I'm not interested. He's like, alright, well, if you're not gonna take my number, then I just have to capture you then. Norath. When I hear sweet energy, I just hear, like, like, um, like, like, um, Louisiana, like, you know, sip, sipping the mint juleps, you know. Like that very Stephen Root. Uh, that just, kind of voice that Steven Root does. Just yeah, well, it could be a male or female voice, but just that 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 like Mississippi, like that like Mississippi, you know, upper class I, accent. I, that's what I always. That's what sweet energy. Just like have some sweet tea. This southern girl is very interested hearing you, a northerner, trying to do a southern deep I, south accent. <laughs> I can only do like I can only do like. You know, just the crudest, like, hi there. Hi, y'all. <laughs> I, I kind of just sat back and crossed my arms, like, okay, he's trying to do this. Let's see it. Come on, I you Yankee. Like, I can't do specific. I can do just like some just amalgam of Southern accents. I'm sure if I like stayed down in Georgia for a couple months, I'd start picking up on specifics and stuff. But when I do a Southern accent, it's just a you know, Cletus slack-jawed yokel from The Simpsons type thing, just like yeah, Patrick Delp, like the kid at Krusty Burger. And, and I'm giving you shit, but like I, I've lived in Georgia my entire life, and I even I can't do like a really like hard like Louisiana accent. It, it's a very special kind of accent. I, I can't do it either. Yeah. Um, without stereotyping, and well, I'm not gonna do that on this show. Um, where am I? I'm the Colossus. I'll do that. I hope I'll I'll handle all that. <laughs> On the Colossus, 
Taz is like working at a station and being a good boy, and he picks up Norath's distress signal. And he's like, whoa, and he's like, Captain Doza, like, there's a distress signal. And it's like super encoded, so this has to be true. I'm sure it's not a trap. And <laughs> Captain Doza's like, you remember the engineer Nina who almost got us killed? Are you sure it's not a trap? And Kaz is like, in my defense, that's Niku's girlfriend. And that was not my fault. And Doza's like, that was absolutely your fault. You're the one that said, hey, let's go rescue someone. <laughs> And he does not think it's a good idea, but Boss Dad, Yeager, Yeager is like, if it's encoded, it's absolutely resistant. We need to go check it out. And so we're finally going to get Yeager doing stuff. For like the first time this season, Yeager's doing stuff, and it's great. So because Dosa has an entire, you know, space station of people to take care of, despite him putting them all in danger for his daughter's 16th birthday, but this is too dangerous, what the fuck? Um, Yeager... Doza's like, fine, you two can go. And Yeager's like, look, if we're not back in a day, just leave us. You have to leave us to be safe. And Cass is like, please don't leave us. I don't want to be left. But that's what they agreed to. So the Colossus arrives at this new planet. And Sonara, pirate mom, tags along with them because, you know, she's the tank. Yeager's kind of old and Kaz can't fight. So they're like, hey, Sonara, you want to come just to punch people? And she's like, yeah, that sounds fun. So Cass, Yeager, Pirate Mom, and CB23 head down to the planet. And they go into town, and they're walking around, trying to act all casual and natural. And of course, Cass is falling over stuff and all sorts of things. And they pass by this shop owned by a dude named Leland. Le- uh, Leland? Leechy. And Leechy sees them, and he's suspicious of them. He's like, oh, they're suspicious. But he tries to do the whole business thing. Like, hey, hey, you want to buy my wares? Hey, hey, you look good walking away. You know, come buy my stuff. And he's like, oh, look at your ball droid. Your ball droid's really cute. I'll buy your ball droid. And CB23, God bless her, like turns and looks at him and puts her little hand on her hip. And he and she's like, baby, you can't afford me. I'm a luxury. You can't. You don't touch me. So they walk away from Lychee. And once they're around the corner, Lychee calls it to someone that he has three incoming people with a ball droid and to be on the lookout for them. So our heroes get to Norath's not-so-safe house, and they start looking around, and they're kind of confused because it's very clear that the First Order didn't come there because the First Order was there. There'd be stormtroopers everywhere, and there's no stormtroopers. So they're starting to think that this isn't quite what they think it is. So Cass finds the data rod, and Cass puts it in the thing and starts reading off the reading off the data pad, and he's like, all right, guys, our guy is named Norath Kiv. And for some reason, a lot of his notes are written in song lyrics and raps. I don't know what that's about. But it says here that he was spying on the First Order, trying to find informants that are working in the black markets. And it also says that there was a million things that Norath has never done. But just you wait. Just you wait. I have no idea what that means, guys. (laughs) And he's very confused by this. But then... He sees that Lychee is on this First Order contact list, and all three of them are like, Oh, fuck. That's not a good thing. And then, coming in with his sweet energy, X kicks in the door, and he's all like, Hey, y'all. I'm here with my sweet energy, and I'm here to corner you, and y'all are all coming with me. And now they're cornered. What'd you think of Act 1? <laughs> It was pretty good. I I think like 
yeah, this like I was watching this and I almost kept thinking, am I watching an episode or it, it just feels like Rebels. Rebels to me, yeah. So much. All right, let's see what I got for notes. Oh, first dad joke. To be or not to be? Huh? Uh-huh. It's the name of his robot that gets shot. Oh, to be! Ah! Or not to be. Ha 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 ha. All right, so this, is, this isn't a critique because it's just... I guess it's a critique of all science fiction, but it just always amuses me that, okay, you have in Star Wars, no matter how advanced the ship is, right? You have droids that you can just talk to and tell them what to do, yet you still have spaceships where you have to just sit there pushing buttons like a phone operator. I was watching Doza just like sitting there going, beep, 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 with a whole like thing full of buttons. It's just like... Ship, chart a course <laughs> from here to here and touch a screen, you know. They they definitely have technology to do like AI stuff that would save them from sitting sitting having to sit at a panel and like input strings of numbers or whatever he's putting in there. I guess it's numbers because it's sort of a square pad and not like a language pad or, you know, with something with a limited amount of characters, but yeah, it's it. It always amuses me when I see people in these high tech movies just sitting there going, "Did did 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 Yeah. Who's the guy that Captain Picard in Star Trek is like? So and so, chart a course. And yeah, exactly. No, what's his name though? Sulu. Sulu. Oh, oh, Picard and Sulu teamed up. Oh no, Picard. Data would be Data would be. Well, then it would put Data and Sulu out of a job. They need job. Well, Data is a robot. <laughs> you could give, yeah, you could give Data other jobs too. I was trying to make a joke, and then I walked into that, realizing that Data's a robot. I know some trick stars. Um, Captain Doza really should sh- should shut his whore mouth about endangering the Colossus. He took his. He took. He put people in danger for his six his sixteen for year a old birthday birthdays. party. For a birthday party. Uh, Come on. And I, I get it. He did it over party hats and like I wanted to carry her. I wanted her mom to see her get her present, you know. So so shut up, just shut up about in danger. We're putting the whole Colossus in danger. Yeah, shut up. Now now if we did frame this as like maybe he's learned from that, like maybe after that he was like, I really shouldn't have done that. Like this isn't like the other time. Yeah, he knew he should have done that before he died. He's old enough and he's not. He he didn't just fall off the the space potato. No, but it was also like when they did it like the previous years they weren't in a war but they're in a war now so maybe he yeah. he thought he could get away with it and then he was yeah, like no yeah, I that's what he thought that. that's what he thought that's he fucked he around thought. and found out <laughs> and another and another thing is i noticed last episode that that shuttle they have has hyperspace on it why does why does the shuttle have to why does the colossus have to come there and drop them off on the shuttle. The, the Colossus could just stay right where they were, and they could. It would have been less hyperspace fuel to just fly there in the More shuttle. Drama, Chris. I know. I know. That's what <laughs> I, I pointed out. I have a couple notes like that where I'm like, they do this for reasons. <laughs> like I, I have a couple yeah. of those in this episode. My my only my only uh, other note is it's it's kind of kind of. Uh, Kind of a little uncomfortable the way Leechy pronounced Baldroid. 
ball droid. Wait, he said ball, ball droid. You can ball tell by the ball, ball droid. droid. Ball. Ball droid. Oh, it's, it's rolling and it's round and soft and subtle. But that's how my last that's my last note. I'll end with ball droid. Um I, I as much as I it's funny. <laughs> I heard now. Yoda had his own ball droid too, but it quit. <laughs> <laughs> Said it wasn't gonna work under those conditions anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um get it under those conditions. Yep, uh, yep, uh, yep. Oh, it's gonna be an episode, ain't it? Um so I know we were making jokes about the sweet energy, but oh, I actually you speak bocce, bocce balls. <laughs> That's a Yoda dad joke. Anyway, um, I know we were making jokes about the sweet energy and stuff like that, but I actually really like Axe's energy axe. It's a cool weapon. And the fact that it can like block blaster bolts and the way it just kind of burned through the door, uh, like Norath's door. It's in like in act three, we see what it's no, made it's of. It's a fully realized weapon. You can, it's super yeah. heavy too. And you can tell when, when, when Jaeger when gets a hold of it, he's like, oh, Jesus Christ. And it, it, he's mm-hmm. just like, this is like, you you can when he loses it, he doesn't really go after it again because he's probably just like, yeah, this is more of a liability for someone who does weighs less than three hundred pounds of muscle, you know. That is um the the weight is actually a really good point because when Yeager's fighting with it, you can see when he goes to like swing up, it takes him longer, and then yeah, he, you can tell the weight of it just drops it down. He doesn't um, have the size faster. to put the power behind it that you have to. Yeah, it's so it's it's a really neat weapon. It, it really reminds me of something that would be out of say like um, maybe like something like the Mandalorians would have used in like Clone Wars or something. Like we never saw mm-hmm. them like their vibro blades. Only this is yellow. Um, or the actually, or the what's what's her name? The lizard people. The Bosch Bosk people. Oh, the Transdotians. Yeah, yeah. would have been a really or, good Transdotian um, weapon. The slavers. The slaver arc. The the um. Oh my God! What are they called? The cat slavers and the, the cat queen was hitting on Anakin and she is yeah. like, meow, meow, I want some of that. Um, what are they called? I don't <gasps> remember. God, I don't remember. I'm going to remember this is going to bother me. I'm going to like scream it out. That, in the was middle. Sla- that was that was Clone Wars. That was like 25 years ago, Hope. I, I know. I mean, this show ended five years ago. So. <laughs> um, I, I Hamilton jokes aside, I actually really like Norrath as a character. Um, and, I'll, and I'll get into this a little bit more in Act 3, but he he's just like Kaz with more experience. And I think that's a really interesting character. Like this is someone that Kaz could be in like a few years. Um, he has a very similar kind of energy to him. Um, when Norath shows, not Norath, when Axe shows up at his house, like he tries to be like bravado, but it's not there because he's not a fighter. He's a spy. Um, and and I like that. Now I'll get more into Act 3, but I actually really like Norath as a character. Yeah, no, he the, the, the voice acting and he just feels like a fully realized character. He doesn't feel like you have to get used to him or he's kind of goofy or janky at first. He feels fully real, you know, fully like living in his in his skin. Mm-hmm. Zygarians! They're Zygarians! Those are the cat meow meow people. <laughs> okay. There you go. It was bothering me. I had to Google it. Zygarians. They're energy weapons. Um, really nice animation detail when Kaz, Sonara, and Yeager show up. The fact that, like, Norath's door is malfunctioning and just kind of opening, like, not fully closing and just kind of popping back and forth. 
I think um, I think X like stuck it like ha, it had that like elevator door that's got something and I think at, that was part of the trap for X. He's like, I'm gonna stick this little piece of metal in here in front of the sensor so it just keeps jer- and then when they're in there, I can just yank it out and the door will slap shut. Yeah, yeah, but that was a really nice. Yeah. Um, I really liked the moment. So this goes back to the classes. When does us when Yeager's like leave us in one rotation and Cass is like don't leave us that's not cool and Yeager very specifically says that's not how this works Kaz yeah no actually Kaz that is cool Kaz that that is exactly how this works and I like that line and and I'll get more actually I have it right here I thought it well, was that's, there too that, that's right that's here. their responsibility that's their responsibility they they talked. They talked those into it, so that's their responsibility that they could be left behind, you know? Yeah. That's, that's on them. And it kind of goes into, like, where I realize, I think this is the first real mission where Giger is leading and teaching Kaz stuff. Because all of season one, it was Poe. Poe was in that role. And Giger hasn't really done anything in season two. So this is the first time, like, Giger is taking on Kaz, showing him how to do spy stuff, leading the mission... And I think that's a really interesting thing that I don't, he's I don't think he, things. I, I don't think Eager likes doing it at all. I'll get into that more in Act Three, but yeah, mm-hmm. I don't like and and that's I love that aspect of it that he's there and Eager can he can fight and stuff. So he does just he's just too old for this shit, you know, and <laughs> not happy about it. He and reminds me that. a lot of that it kind of goes back to Rebels. It's kinda of like when Rex joins the 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 uh, ghost crew. He's just like I'm so old. I'm yeah, except except shit. Rex is except Rex. You know, he's a clone. So he like when he start like he's just like oh, oh look at my armor's tight, but he's still like he's still having fun. You know, um, that's true. Getting in a scrap. Them. You know, when he gets in a scrap, he's like oh that's right, I feel alive now. And Yeager's just like ah, I want to be working on my ship. You know, or. That's very true, because Ezra shoots them. Yeager First wants thing it. that Rex does is laugh. <laughs> Yeager seems like he would be very happy if the rest of his life was boring as hell. Yeah, yep, I think he would be. Um, and then my only other note, and it stuck out to me, um, Kaz very specifically says that he was a spy. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, and it makes me wonder if he's... Yeah, of course, because there was a, an inner circle from all of season one. There was well, an inner circle of people that knew that he was a spy. So does that mean that now the majority of the Colossus now knows that he works for the resistance? He's, now Is he's a fighter. Means? No, he was a spy before it turned into war. And now he's a fighter because he was. he Yeah, now he's before he was like oh i'm not in the you know the resistance what 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 the hell is the resistance isn't that something to do with electricity i don't know what are you talking about you know and now it's like you know he's resistance scum he's 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 in he's in you know the the, the pretense is gone he's not <laughs> he doesn't have to hide as being you know who he is on the on the colossus anymore you know everybody's everybody's in the same boat so i guess it makes sense i just don't think that like anybody who is kaz you know just in speaking it's it's more of a writer thing because i don't think they would say it like i was a spy you know i think that he would still say i was Yeager, I'm a spy, you know, because that's just how people would say it, you know. Yeah, technically, so, though, technically though, it's it's correct, you know. 
But that makes me think because this is written by the executive producer of the show and words are deliberate when you're the right. showrunner writing things. So there's I, I, I like how you phrase it. I, I think that's a, he's not a spy anymore. He's an ace, which puts him in a completely yeah. different place. Yeah, um, no, he doesn't have to pretend whose side he's on anymore, not being on the side or not being anybody. Yeah, but that's all I had for act one. Did you have anything else? I do not have anything else for act Act one act two i am now ready for act two act two oh no our heroes are now cornered by some sweet energy from this bounty hunter and a fight breaks out it's all like pew 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 and like like cows gets shot in the arm and giger has to pull him out holy crap but it's totally great because Pirate Mom is there and she enters the arena and she's ready to fuck up this guy. And Zanara starts beating up this guy and holding her own. But the thing about Axis, he's like 300 pounds of pure muscle with an energy axe. So she's getting pretty roughed up by him too. And it, it's kind of a brutal fight, you know, hand to hand. We don't get a lot of like hand to hand fights in Star Wars. She keeps the upper hand a good, like, She's she kind of kicks his ass, but yeah. it's not it's not an easy ass kicking, but it shouldn't be. He's fucking huge, but yeah, she's like she really uh, she does a Furiosa from Fury Road on him. Um, and it ends with Sonara throwing him off the roof. But when she looks over the edge, Axe is gone and she can't feel that sweet energy anymore. So she hurries and meets up with Yeager and Kaz. And they meet, they go into an alleyway, and Sonara's like, this guy has to be a bounty hunter. You know, there's there's no other reason why. If there's no First Order people here, he has to be a bounty hunter, and he has to be, like, gathering up people, you know. And so Captain Dad calls, and he's all like, how y'all doing? Yeager's like, we're fine. Dozo's like, cool. Okay, bye. So they decide to go talk to Leechy, since Leechy was on Norak's list. And in a poor place like this, it would make sense for someone like Leechy to sell out resistance spies for money, because, you know, money. So they get to Leechy's house, and Leechy's just like, oh, hey, you're back. Ready to sell my bo- your ball droid? Your balls? Your ball droid? Your ball droid? And Kaz is like, why are you saying balls so much? Why are you saying it like that? No, we're here to threaten you. And he's like, you can't threaten me. And he's like, unlucky for you, because I have a sassy ball droid to threaten you with. And CB-23 can kick twice as much ass for me, can't you, CB-23? And CB is like, I got you, Kaz. And she rolls in there and pulls out her little hand and starts scratching the wall like she's fucking Freddy Krueger. And it's so annoying that Sonara calls it off. And Yeager's like, there's a much easier way to do this, Kaz. Let me show you. And he just starts taking Leechy's money. And Leechy's like, what the fuck? You're taking my money. And he's like, I'm just going to rob you. Rob me or rob you or tell us everything. That's your choices. We're either going to take your money or you tell us. And Leechy's like, curses. You're hitting me in my one weakness. Money. So he tells them that he doesn't know where Norath is, but Axe's ship is in the main hangar and... If that's gonna, if he's gonna be anywhere, it's probably gonna be on Axe's ship. And so they decided to go to the hangar, but Sonara, being so great and amazing she is, she shoots Leechy's communication device just so she can't snitches, because snitches get stitches. And she's like, bye, bitch. So they go off and they get to the hangar, 
And Sonara's outside keeping watch for Kaz and Eager, and Kaz and Eager sneak on board. So they quietly sneak in, and Kaz is like, Eager, do you hear that? And Eager's like, yeah, is, is someone singing? And Kaz is like, I think someone is singing. And he goes over, and there's Norath waking up, waking up slowly, going, what did I miss? What did I miss? Mm. Dara, my own sweet home, won't give you a kiss. And Cass is like, why are you singing? What the fuck? But it's too late, because Nora's like, it's a trap. And they get, it, the trap is sprung, and it's too late. And the ship doors lock. And our heroes are trapped on the ship with the bounty hunter. Bum, bum, bum. Is this our first bounty hunter? Do you think? In resistance? In, in resistance, yeah, obviously. In, yeah. Um, I know we've had the pirates, and Niku has mentioned we had the Guavian Death Gang in season one going after Yuri's yeah, brother. But like, I mean, like a character bounty hunter hunting, like this is classic Clone Wars I, Rebels bounty I know, hunter. Jeez, Niku, Niku mentioned a bounty hunter in Act One, and I don't, oh, I think you're right because Niku mentioned a bounty hunter in Act One, but that's because Kaz was trying to be a bounty hunter to find the kids from Tahar. To pay to find their bounty, um, so yeah, I think this is our first legit real bounty hunter of resistance. Yeah. I think you're right because we've had pirates and death gangs, but and guavians, which sound delicious. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. An odd choice in this, they had um, some of um, um, Ray's music, Ray's theme. Oh, the really? Where? Where they're where they're like where they're coming up on is if i recall right it's where they're coming up on axe's ship and sort of you know looking around and going up into his ship that they're and and, and it's not the main dun 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 but it's um it's it's a uh, it's the dun 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 part. It, it, I mean, it was just really clearly put it put in there for a couple, couple you know, like five six seconds. Huh. I missed that, but music's not my forte. <clears throat> it was it was weird. I'm always paying attention to the music of it, especially this one because I can't have it. Yeah, Michael uh, Taveras in Disney and Star Wars, whoever's in charge of releasing it, give us sure the Tavera track. Sure, it's not Taveras that's it's holding it back. Give us um, the Tavera cut. <laughs> <laughs> we demand it. We demand it. Uh, we're going to so, start a two-year Twitter campaign for the Tavera cut. We're going to start harassing people, so bear that in mind. Um, oh. Only one more note. We're not. We're going to do that. Uh, yeah, we're one more note. fans. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know someday I'll get my soundtrack to Resistance. It'll happen someday once we're done with the show. It's gonna um, happen the exact day we put out the very last episode of Resistance. That's exactly how it's gonna go. Okay, so the so the CB CB Kruger scene, <laughs> obviously, obviously a Freddy Krueger reference. I love it so much. But but do you think like if C, C, CB could have really like CB has has can jolt people. Yep. So like she could have been doing the scrape with a couple of boop, 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 boop. that would have been truly threatening and and been like yeah we could give you uh, yeah they don't call me a ball droid for nothing <laughs> and uh, but 
then I then I thought about it and I thought that might be too overtly torture <laughs> for a yeah. cartoon, you know? I mean, just the the making ma- they they and they made it more of a comical threat, you know, that that and the and the the threat of it was the sound was annoying and it was it was it was like, you know, um fingers on a chalkboard, nails on a chalkboard to him. So it was so he wasn't like thinking, oh no, my balls or anything like that, which is probably good in a in probably the 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 youngest targeted <laughs> Star Wars show so far. Um but yeah, yeah, I think I think they they down they they downplayed it more. I didn't want him to outplay it more, but I I, I was thinking like it would have just seemed obvious to have her spark have a few sparks in there, but yeah, but that's all I got for part part two. I love that scene because I completely forgot about it in the moment it happened. I was just like, oh yeah, oh, yeah this happens, and I just I started dying laughing because it just goes on. It's not, and the fact that it like starts annoying. Like I like Sonara. I was just like, CB, stop it! And he's like, why? It was working. She's like, no, you're annoying me. Stop it, cats! <laughs> like it annoys Sonara into submission, and that's why it was funny. And then he goes into just like eager and snow just being like, we're just going to take your money, bro. Tell us or we take your money. And either way we win because <laughs> we need money because we're poor. Yep. So I, I, lo- I forgot about that. I just died laughing. I love that 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 Yeager's just like, yeah, I'll steal from you. <laughs> it's fine. Um. My only other notes actually is all kind of Sonara's notes and they're all sort of together. Um, I love that they gave Sonara the fight scene because it makes sense. Like you said, Yeager's old. And th- though I, it is cool seeing some of Yeager's sharp sharpshooting skills, that was a really cool moment. Um and I don't, I don't think Yeager is specifically like he's a he's a he's a fight fighter a pilot. pilot. Yeah, yeah, so he's not specifically a uh but Sonara. Kaz is not Sonara's, a fighter either. And so it's really cool that she got the fight scene. Kaz is just going to get broken into pieces by him. He's, you know, he's just going to pick him up and and make a wish with him. So, yeah. Like, heat him out the window. Um, And then, this this is kind of what I was talking about at the top of the episode, where there's a clear tone shift. Because Kaz gets shot, and Sonara kind of gets very roughed up in the episode. Um, And this feels way more dangerous than a lot of the First Order stories that we've had. Well, it's turning um, into night too, so it was it was like a bright planet during the day and just sort of like out on, out in the market. But as the episode went by, we're going further into you know things are literally getting darker. Yeah, but for just this part in the tone of the season, like it's it's still that very clear tonal shift um, to actually see two of our heroes injured um, and to see like you know Snar's like holding her side and like panting as she's running and it's it's a little bit jarring because. There's so much slapstick, and I, and I think that's the difference. Like so much of with the resistance is slapstick. So like Kaz is constantly getting hurt, but he's getting hurt for humor. But when they're actually seriously hurt for drama, it's a completely different tone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it shows where we are at in the show. Um, and and it got me to thinking about how Sonara is the only way that this episode would really work because I was like, what if we put in anybody else, like Tora or one of the other aces? It would not work as well and because Sonara is a pirate these are her kind of thing she's used to fighting in the streets she's used to working with like dark shady people like bounty hunters 
So, like, she is the perfect choice for this episode to go. And it would would not work as well tonally or writing-wise if it was, like, Tora or someone else in her place. Yeah, well, Tora, I mean, it's it's like Star Trek. You pick your away team for the job, you know, and they mm-hmm. pick the right... You got you got Yeager. Yeager's going along for his experience because he is also like Kaz. He you know he he doesn't argue that like yeah we shouldn't go try to save him. He's he's right on board. He's kind of like he's kind of like hanging back and like letting Kaz do the work of like we got to go save him because he's probably like I'm so proud of him. But you know, yeah, he's he's going along for experience. Kaz is going along because he's a spy and it's his his mission, and Sonara is the muscle. You know she's the she's Zeb, she's <laughs> or the what, she's Zeb or Wrecker. You know basically. Yeah, and that that's so great because she's like this this t- like you know I, I'm not gonna say tiny woman because she's tall as hell, but like you know stereotypically she would not be the tank of the crew. Well, you know, but the, that's the thing is she's she's not a tank. But she's out of like, the three she's, of them, her character she is. design is like a wooden bow, you know, she's like coiled muscle energy. So, you know, when she jumps up and 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 kicks him with her feet, she has a lot of force behind it. And it's and it's and he's a big, you know, he's a big brick, but she can focus a lot of energy into a small point and she just, you know. And and she, and she knows and she's she's a pirate. She's probably used to fighting thugs. She's used to fighting big, giant, burly guys, and she knows how to get into their weak points. You know. I feel like we've seen Sonara punch one of her other fellow pirates that were bigger than her. Oh yeah, that, that yeah, yeah. But that was a this was her this was her sizing him up and and methodically methodically well it's brought in a brawl yeah yeah but yeah she's but she like knows how to like she knows how to hurt him Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she knows how to like how to um you know when they flip down the balcony she flips when when she flips him down the balcony so he's on the outside facing away from her and she can just boop right off (laughs) you know she 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 uses his she's using you know um his his weight and his ba- you know the and stuff to throw him off balance where he's just used to being able to just pummel his way into it i also like the choreography there's one part that stuck out in my brain which was on the stairs like she tries to run and he snags her so she's kind of like her arms are catches her on a lower step and she kicks at him and he almost picks her up by the ankle but she grabs the, like the stair railing to keep her balance so like her ankle yeah. doesn't snap and like, snap and like kicks him in the she face. Ju- she just does not let him get the upper hand, even though she was da- like down there. Most people would be like, "Oh, how do I get out of it?" She's more like, "How do I turn this around on him?" You know. Yeah, and that was some that that stair choreography was really nice. Um, for yeah. It, it was really that. That's the moment yeah. that sticks out to me. Yeah, I mean, we're getting used to fight choreography like that in in clone wars and the bad batch recently where you know where the the animations got up but we're not used to it in resistance you know because there's really fight choreography is usually like a funny bar fight or you know it's it yeah it's not usually like a a a, an action movie fight it's usually and so much of the fighting is like 
like uh, the aces. Like that's the fighting we normally see is like space battles or like pew pew guns. But when it comes right. to actual like fist to fist brawling, and I'm going to get more into this into Act Three, like because we get more of it. Um, it's it's great, and I think that's why it's so unique in my brain is because you're right, resistance does not do this, and it so it makes it really stand out and stellar. Yeah. Um, but I don't have anything else for Act Two. Do you? No, you wanna you wanna um bring the axe down on this puppy? Oh, it can't escape because it's in the prep. It's uh, all prepped and prepped. Don't bring the axe down. We'll bring the sweet energy down on the puppy. He'll he'll bring the axe down with such precision that it will just slice through the prep and free, free the, puppy. the puppy. Oh yay! The puppy's free. It's gonna go. It's gonna go cuddle up somewhere. That's and our enjoy t- that's our t-shirt with with a little little cute puppy on it and a and a big big container of prep next to it and just like it's like little feeder guys or jedi or we prep the puppy it's like little feeder sticking out of the sides of like wrapped in a ball of prep and it's just feeder it's just like mm. yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness i have thought about like what are if we if we made more jay shirts what they would be and like one is like a list of all my dumb names for like my boyfriends <laughs> like blue hisbanda grande boyfriend uh captain dad boss dad uh malio and savaji farkin <laughs> like just a list of all of our nicknames that we've come up for people <laughs> space mom space dad um anyway act three act three i want a me and my greedy shirt me and my greedy <laughs> uh act three so they're Act trapped three. by the by the bounty hunter. Oh no, and they're stuck on the ship. And Norath is all bummed because he had been working so hard to get together this list of First Order sympathizers, and they're lost. And he is all like, the sky's the limit and I'm helpless. And Kaz is like, I don't know why you're singing right now. But if it helps you feel better, CB has your list. We downloaded it to our droid. And Norath smiles and goes, I'm satisfied. Kaz is like, I don't know what's happening here. So I'm just going to continue with the episode, if that's cool. Okay, I'm just going to go back to the episode now. Weird, weird singing, man. So Kaz, oh, sorry, I lost my spot. Oh, Axe calls it Pyre, and he's all like, hey, baby. I'm here. That was a really weird voice. Um, I'm here to tell you that I have more resistance spies. And Pyre's like, oh, you have more resistance spies? That's great. And Max is like, mm-hmm. I need some more money, though. You know, my normal weights apply. But for some reason, reasons, Axe is like, by the way, Pyre, I'm only working for you because you're currently the winning side. And if you're not the winning side, I'm going to just fuck off. Bye. For reasons, <laughs> I don't know why. And Pyre's like, keeping it real. Like, He's just keeping it real. But even Pyre is just like, okay. <laughs> like they actually give Pyre dialogue. That's just kind of like how good he says something like contemporary or something like that. I don't, yeah. I don't remember. But it's, yeah, Pyre yeah. just has this moment of like, well, why are you telling me? This? I'll have some insight into this in my notes. Okay. Um, Axe also mentions Kaz's name, and Kaz Empire's like, You have Kazuda Ziono? Oh my god, this is getting me a ticket into Tyranny's hate fuck room tonight. I'm on my way. 
So Axe Ax starts to take off in a ship, and Sonara follows behind in a speeder. And so since the ship is taking off, Kaz is like, don't worry, guys, I got this. I'm going to do what I do best. Break stuff. And this time, breaking stuff is Yeager approved, which is like my favorite line. And Yeager's like, if there's one thing I believe in, Kaz, you can definitely break the ship. I love that line. So CB plugs into the system and starts overheating it. But oh no, Axe realizes what's happening and he starts frying CB circuits. But our brave sassy girl holds on because she's the MVP and she holds on long enough to bring the ship down. And it crashes into the mountainside and or I guess the ground, which is a side, a, a mountain on its side. <laughs> Uh, you know, the ground is just a mountain laying down. It's fine. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a that's a song right there. Hope <laughs> the ground is just a mountain on its side. The ground is just a mountain on its side. When it's tired and it's sleepy, it lays down for a wee bit. A mountain's just the ground on its side. It's a river is just river. a waterfall that's resting. Anyway, where am I in this list? Oh yeah, the ship crashes. Um, and in all this, Norath is injured and he's having trouble walking. So Kaz helps him off the ship and Yeager's leaving. And oh my god, CB23 is limping and making this like little like uh, sound every time she limps and it breaks my heart. And I guess our heroes just assumed that Axe died? <laughs> Because they just don't assume that the bounty hunter was, you know, not gonna come after them. They, I guess, they just assumed he was dead for reasons. They just sort of did what Sonara did after she saw that he wasn't on the ground, like, like in Halloween at the end of Halloween. She just like limped off and hoped for the best. Yeah. Hope that they're... hope that he limped off somewhere to die and 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 that they lucked out. Yeah, apparently. But no, Axe pops out of his ship and he's just like, hey guys, where are you going? I'm supposed to make money off of you. So Yeager gets in a shootout with Axe and even Dear Sweet Kaz gets in on the action by grabbing a metal pole and smacking at Axe and failing to win and he gets like hit in the face and Yeager goes into dad mode. He's like, don't you dare touch my child, you son of a bitch. And Yeager, dear Yeager, like starts punching at him and brawling him and it's all fine because pirate mom then shows up and snar's like surprise bitch bitch you thought you seen the last of me and she tells kaz to go call Do doza for an evacuation ship sonora and sonorath and kaz get on the speeder for reasons i guess to get distance to call Doza? They can't call Doza from where they are right there for reasons? They have to get on the speeder to drive back to town? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. And then the best fucking thing happens. So they're fighting with Axe. And Yeager picks up this energy axe and starts swinging like a gosh darn barbarian in a D&D &D game and starts going to town. And it's Sonara and Yeager versus Axe. And this is an amazing fight. And then it starts to storm with like thunder and lightning in the background. Yeah, then it's a Thor movie, yeah. And I, this fight is amazing. It's so good. And Axe must be open overcompensating for things because then his energy axe is actually a pole axe and extends. And it gets 
much longer and bigger, and it leaves a much bigger energy burst as he slams into the ground. Uh, where oh, it, oh, mm. uh, oh, I know. <laughs> and he slams into the ground right where Sonara and Yigurus are, and it leaves their fates unknown, just as Kaz and Norath are getting back into town. And Kaz calls up Captain Dan. He's like, Dad, we really need to be picked up from the pool right now. And Doza's like, I can't help you. The First Order Star Destroyer is here. And the episode ends with a cliffhanger. Bum, bum, bum. All right, one, one, one note, and then all the rest of my notes are in the same vein. Yeager, you can tell he just doesn't like to fight, but like, he can't. I, I love that he's a growler when he's down on the ground and he's like pushing the axe away. He's just like, <laughs> love that. he's just pissed. He's just he's he's not as much even as pissed at axe. It's just he's just pissed that he's there and fighting, and it's great. All right, so the rest of my notes are about axe. Um. The 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 um, just on a visual note, he's got a real. When you finally see his face, he's got a very Disney design face and head. He he just looks very Disney Disney villain, and uh, and his ship. You know, even though it looks like his headgear, it looks kind of like a Klingon ship. But you know how the First Order is sort of the Wish dot com version of the Empire. I think. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. No, re-say that, because I wanted to just make sure I heard you right. The 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 first order is just the wish.com version of the Empire. I don't they're kinda like wannabes, wannabe empire, you know. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. It's just funny, like the phrasing of it caught me off guard. Well I think I think I think Axe is sort of the wish.com Cad Bane. He's got <laughs> he's got his badass ship. He's even got a sort of like electronically like toned down voice like Cad Bane, even when he takes his mask off, he's still got a little rear row to his got thrown over a railing like Finnick did to Cad Bane in Bad Batch. He's got lots of there's lots of uh there's lots of like Cad Baneisms to when when they when they're messing with his ship, he's just like, Oh, they're clever. What are they up to? you know? Like and he says it in a very Cad Bane sort of, you know, Clint Eastwood cowboy sort of way. But if this was Cad Bane and not Axe, this would be a whole different episode because they would have been, yeah, they'd be in big big (laughs) trouble. Cad Bane, this guy's just like, oh, they're clever. Let's see what they're doing to my ship. And then he's like, oh, shit, I got to pilot my ship down. It's going down. That would have happened with Cad Bane. Cad Bane even has a droid. You just don't leave those guys armed and and conscious, un- unlocked up in the in your ship just like hey i'll just leave these guys down in here May- they can't get up to anything cad bane would have kicked out the window yeah, cad bane would have had them tied up and in the hold or or like gassed them or something you know he wouldn't have messed around with it or, this guy, or at this- the very least like kicked out the window used his little booster rockets watch the ship yeah. crash and then snipe him from the air yeah this guy <laughs> this guy's just all flash he's you know and and look he's even got one eye so he even like you know he this guy might have a zero you know this guy might be zero for zero you know for in all his bounty hunting he might be the most unsuccessful bounty hunter for all we know he doesn't seem that good though he he looks he's got the 
He's got the slick ship. He's got his armor. He's big. He's mean. He's scary. But eh, he's not that good. <laughs> he's 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 you know. And then by the end of it, you know, he's he's just a minor problem compared to the first order showing up. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, but I like that. I like that he's just kind of he's kind of a shadow of of the bounty hunters of the past, sort of like the first orders of shadow of the empire, which is also a comic. It is a comic. But that's all I got on act three. So my first all caps letters or note, Giger with an ax. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, my other all caps notes, which is a two parter. CB getting fried makes me sad. <laughs> She's sort of like she's sort of like a computer that's in it's in the safety mode, you know. She's not really there. She's just sort of like, you know. Yeah, it is kind of sad. Yeah, it's my like fo- my follow-up note is CB limping makes me sad. That's the thing. She's like sort of just in like a recovery loop of just like just just follow the humans. <laughs> and it's 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 actually like. Um... It, it, it it's something very visceral, and I think they did a really good job animating it because it almost it, it it's almost reminding of you of like an injured animal, you know, like every time she has that like kind of like lurch forward, she makes that little like, oh, oh, yeah. oh sound every time she lurches forward, and it has the same kind of like weight to like you know like oh my god like an injured dog, you well, know. Well, that's like like a dog would have its leg like. Up and broken and would be limping along with you, you yeah. know. The... So I, I really actually that's a really good, very visceral animation and sound design because yeah. the, well, that's I, always Star Star Wars has always been good about making the robots like your your best animal best friend sidekick, you know. Yeah. Like playing off that that feeling. Most of my notes are kind of are smallish, but sort of I have a couple medium notes. Um, Axe calling Pyre a tin can, a tin can made me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> like cram a tin can, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you too recognize that Pyre's no, a lackey. <laughs> no respect for the for the doofball. Though, so as I noted um, in my recap, obviously what? a bottom. This guy, obviously, if this was Tierney, he'd be like, ma'am, good, thank you, ma'am. Thank you for paying me, ma'am. I'm surprised you didn't call Pyre, ma'am. Just to get his goat. No. Uh, People are not sexist in Star Wars. A bounty hunter wouldn't have toxic... (laughs) Axe the bounty hunter, named after the the vile, like... I'm sure he's (laughs) he's coated in the body spray. You don't think Axe the bounty hunter would have... (laughs) He's basically the, the Star Wars version of space... Dog the bounty hunter, you don't think he would have a little bit of toxic masculinity this in him? Bambi too, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't hear last week's episode, please go listen to the opening episode so you can hear what toxic masculinity and Bambi <laughs> too have with each other. <laughs> Circle the wagons. Yeah. Oh man, that was fun. Um, though, as, as I noted in my recap, I still think it's kind of weird that Axe is like. Yeah, I'm only working for you as you're winning. Because it, it wouldn't be weird if they didn't give Pyre a reaction. Like, if, if he was just talking and, like, Pyre was like, all right, I'm on my way. But they actually gave Pyre, like, a very confused reaction, like, okay. He's saying the quiet part out loud. 
I know, like, like that. That's well, one that's of those another, things. Like, it just keep that in your drafts. <laughs> that just, yeah. Well, that just goes to that. Just adds to the to the, to my theory that the axe is kind of a doofus. Yeah. You know, he's he's he's, and, and like him and Pyre are both two posturing buffoons. You know, and and so axe has got to got to you know be the alpha male or whatever and and he's just and he's ridiculous and it's even ridiculous to pyre you know it's just like okay dude weird flex but okay <laughs> that's the exact energy that pyre has is like well that yeah. was a weird flex but fine fine yeah I, yeah okay. i i realize that that's why i'm here too that's what that's <laughs> why we're all here pyre's just like you know that's what it Bounty hunters it are literally right? is why they're all there too. <laughs> <laughs> you do know what it means to be a bounty hunter, right? <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, so I said I would come back to the Zach three. I actually really love Norath and Kaz. Um, though I forgot that they both sh- scream the exact same way at the exact same time, and my god, it makes me laugh because they have the exact same scream, but. I think that, like, that's what I like about them. And like I was saying in Act 1, like, Norath just feels like Kaz with more experience. And they are very similar characters, but I like still seeing that difference that they're um, still different enough to the where they're both their own person. But, like, this is almost like a glimpse of this is who Kaz is going to be in, like, three to five years. Could be. Um, you know, if the war went on for another year, but we know because trust takes place, like, what, like, 18 months after this episode or something like that, that's not going to go on. But this is who Kaz could have turned into. Um, and I like how they're very similar characters and how they play off each other, too. Like, when Kaz is trying to get the panel off, Norath doesn't hesitate. He immediately starts helping. And the moment that Norath is injured, Kaz doesn't hesitate. He immediately starts helping him walk. And they just form this, like, this very quick bond together to work together to help each other because they're both resistant spies. They're both in the same boat. But they're also both... You, you get the sense because Norath is so close to Kaz that he's also probably yeah. really just as much as a good person. The only big difference between them is what their heads look like. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Duros. Otherwise, so. they got almost the same character design and personalities. So, yeah. yeah absolutely. So, I, I really love them together. Um, and my other note is, I'm going to open this note by saying, yes, if this was a real world thing, it would be absolutely a huge plot hole because they are on a mission in the middle of a war. And, and so he's this, not a spy anymore. And this doesn't make sense if this was the real world. But as a character trait, I really love that Kaz doesn't carry a blaster. Like, I think it makes sense, but it makes less sense if he doesn't carry a blaster after this, you know? Yeah, it's it, like this would be sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a fighter now. I'm not a spy, you know, like I'm not doing the pretense of, you know, be like, look, I'm not, you know, unarmed. I'm just a no, you carry a gun because you might have to shoot axe, the body spray bounty hunter. And I got to thinking about this in comparison to last week, because one of the things that we praised in last week's episode was Kaz was a fucking gunslinger. He took out two troopers quickly. And but he doesn't have a blaster this week. And so that just tells me that he probably underestimated this mission. He probably didn't think he needed it because both Sonara and Yeager was was with him. But in last week's mission, he was in charge. The only person with him was Niku, and he felt the need to be able to protect Niku. But in this time around, 
Sonara and Yeager are there to protect him. So it shows like kind of where he also is in the hierarchy, where in the fighter hierarchy, he wants to protect Miku, but he believes that Sonara and Yeager can protect him. And so it's this really interesting dynamic. So I do actually really like that Kaz doesn't have a blaster. If this was the real world, that doesn't make fucking sense. Boy, but boy, I, don't, I actually help, don't care. Though, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't care that it doesn't make sense because it actually really fits who he is as a person. To he only carries. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna tell you a thing, even because I know you know nothing about this. It really reminds me of the character of Leox Giassi in the High Republic book Into the Dark. Leox is a freighter pilot. Like he, he's a travel. He's a pilot, and he's carting for Jedi to um, this place when the, the hyperspace disaster happens and they have to park in at a random abandoned station. And when the bad guys show up, there's this moment where Leox has to, because his other crew members are in danger, he pulls out a box and he opens it and it has a blaster in it. And Leox has a moment where he understands that while he can use a blaster and shoot it, the gravity of what that means, that that when he picks it up, he's preparing himself to take a life and he knows what it means and he understands it and he doesn't do it with joy. That's what Kaz reminds me of, where he knows if he goes on a mission with a blaster, what it means and he'd rather not have one. And he if he has it with him, it's going to be something that defines him. Well, yeah, that's, um, uh, that's, that's like how they train like anybody who has to carry a gun. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. you pull you when you pull your gun, you're pulling it to kill somebody. You know, you know, unless you're in America. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, well, I, yeah, but I mean, that's I mean, that's just a standard like when like if like dad taking his son out to teach him a pistol, it's like, you you know, in the in the framework of like responsible, you know, normal like this is the wholesome way if you're gonna wholesomely teach your kid to have a gun it's like you know when you have a gun when you pull a gun you know you don't pull a gun out unless you absolutely have to and and when you pull it out you're you pull it out meaning to use it you know so don't hesitate but only in the last you know as the last resort but once you once you get to that last resort you can't hesitate type type thing yeah, so yeah I, I definitely think that's about where he is I think he just I don't I, I think he's not particularly good at at shooting or he feels he's not good at shooting and probably just like, you know, a lot of people just don't like guns. They don't feel an affinity to them or whatever, and they don't like having them or whatever. And he, he strikes me as one of those type of people, you know, he does have an aversion to them, but it's not like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I. If he had like five more years of fighting the first order, yeah, it might be a little different, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Gun starts becoming a, a you know very important in your toolkit. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's all I have for this episode. Do you have anything else? No, you ready to score it up? I am ready to score it up. You go first, Chris. Like last week, I give it an eight point five. And why is that? I think it's a strong. It's, I think it's a, it, it's it's a stronger episode than the last one a little bit. Like that. Well, actually, like the last one would have been a nine or a nine point five with me, except for the writing. This one is like, everything is everything is smooth in this one, and but it's just sort of, 
you know, just sort of taking place in in a it's a it's a neat story. It's a it's a solid episode, but it's not going into the nines for me. Because mm. because it, it's not like uh, it's not like uh, it's it's kind of more important in tone than it is to the story per se. Well, I'm interested so to a, know it if has, that would... it has a shift into a dark tone. Whether that's going to be whether that that that's probably going to sh- go into the next episode for sure, since they're it's a two parter, but as as in into the series and stuff, you know, yeah, I'm I'm docking I... it for not having Tam. I'm docking it for no Tam. Okay? Oh no, I'm, I'm actually I'm actually curious if if you just don't remember this part of the season because Norak is here. I, I I know that I've seen more of the. I don't remember this episode at all, but I remember I remember more of the Tam story. Yeah. And how, how it how it start how it goes into its resolution. So I know I saw into that far, but I don't remember what happens next episode. So because uh, Norat's here for four episodes, and I'm wondering if that like once you have like the full context and you remember what happens, if that would change this. Yeah, because yeah. This is, might, this is uh, well, setting up might. like four episodes worth of stuff. <laughs> it might it, it might, but that might more that might more bleed into the later episodes, you know, into their score. Yeah, I, I might, I might bump them up a little more because it resolves into something more solid, but this just in a vacuum, 8.5. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I gave it a nine out of 10. I love this episode. Um, I thought last week was a little bit better because I thought it had more to say with like Rucklin and Kaz's like, um, Oh, definitely. Fight. And, and Tam, yeah, I thought it, it, but this one is solid. Um, yeah, there's some weird plot things, but I'm going to let those go. But it's a heck of a ride, and it's the tone is shifting, and we're starting to head towards the finale. Um, we're starting to set up like the end game of the show, um, and it's it, this episode's great. It's so much fun, and it's way darker. And, and I, I haven't said anything, but I, I kind of wished more of season two was more along these lines, where it's more desperate and fighting and brawling and a darker tone. Um, I wish this came in a little bit sooner. So um, I gave it a nine out of ten. I love it. So mm-hmm. well, as always. We would love to hear your feedback at iTunes, Twitter, the Two True Freaks Facebook page, or the Two True Freaks website. And this week, our feedback comes from Twitter and the Two True Freaks Facebook page for our episode for the, oh, uh, this is supposed to say from beneath, (laughs) for our episode from beneath. So Hope remembers to change it next week. There we go. It's now in the document. I will remember it now. Uh, So, yeah. Take it away, Chris. All right, Hope. Hang on, our first uh, first one is from our guest Mark for that Mark episode. Mark Marky, and he said, uh, "Both serious and silly. I really enjoyed this discussion. We had fun and covered some important topics." Mark, it sounds so dry. Anyway. It sounds so dry, doesn't it? But it's not a dry episode. You should go listen to it. It's a very moist episode. Mark, you can come back anytime. We love you. Actually, any any of our guests. Like I've loved yeah. all of our guests for Resistance. You are all all, all of back. our Resistance guest episodes have been like very funny, but we also like they've been goofy. But we've covered a lot of like we had a lot of like nice deep discussions on all of them. It's they've been they've just been a riot. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And our next one comes from Facebook, and it comes from. Paul C. Kelly. Ooh, yeah. 
The landing on Flix's planet reminded me of Luke and Leia's landing on Mimbin and Splinter of the Mind's Eye with all the blurred vision. Yes, that's true. Like you had to I don't know what through. any of that means. They had to navigate through a thick electrical storm and basically just saw clouds and lightning until they were basically crashing into a forest. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So it was very, very, very similar. Yes. Well. As always, Chris hates American Kit Cats because he's a weirdo. Absolute weirdo. Um, so our friend Dario sends us candy from all over the world to review. Um, he is Chris's co-podcaster for Eat It and Beat It. And this week we're continuing our Tiki Gold. We had Last week we had the Tiki Gold Hazelnut from Jamaica. And now we're having the Tiki Gold Coconut from Jamaica. It actually smells I like gotta say, I gotta say, before I even bit into it, my mouth was full of coconut flavor. Coconut you smell. smell it. It the last one like... was hazelnut, and the hazelnut was so subtle as to almost not be there. This one, this coconut is like subtle too, but it's it's much more there than the hazelnut. Oh, this is this is about the right amount of coconut for me. It's just just the perfect amount of coconut flavor. Mm-hmm. But mm. I'm not a big coconut fan. I actually like this coconut. Tiki better than the um, hazelnut tiki. I um, I like coconut. which I like just fine. Mm-hmm. Mm. My only like, downside, if you smell it, it smells like cheap sunscreen. It does. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's the very first thing I smelled before I even put it in my mouth. Is I mm-hmm. I smelled it first and sunscreen. <laughs> it tastes like cheap sunscreen. Um. So, mm, this is really good though. Mm. 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 Very good. Can, can I laugh at something? Can, you um, laugh? can I laugh at something? Okay. So, I was pulling up the uh, title for next week's episode, and it premiered on December 29th, 2019, and I was like, oh, we were so precious little babies December 29th of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> we were such precious little things then. Oh, oh dear. Yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. We didn't know what 2020 would bring us. <laughs> no, that's true. Good lord, next week has a hell of a voice cast. It has like everybody in it. Good fucking god. What a huge ass huge ass thing anyway you gotta uh, spend down that budget before the show's over apparently um so chris do you have anything else for the missing agent i do not where can people find you Hmm. you can find me at two truefreaks.com that is our website our glorious website with all our shows including this one Sign up for the RSS feed there. Take a look around at all our shows. Or if um, you're on Facebook, you can go to the Two True Freeze podcast. We'll post up all our shows there. You can always find Jay Guys and Jedi coming out every I'm Wednesday. I'm still scraping like wafer out of my teeth, post, too, I feel you. <laughs> post, post them at midnight on Tuesday. So every Wednesday morning, you got your fresh Jay Guy and Jedi every week. Um, uh, you can also go to the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is sort of our hangout zone. It's a zone. And, um, uh, if you feel so inclined, you can go 
to Twitter and look for Two True Freaks on Twitter and there you'll find our Twitter page run by the legendary Gene Gene. The Postin Machine. He posts all the episodes and he listens to all the episodes. I thought you were going to say the Postmaster, like the Postmaster at UPS or something like that. And I was just like, what what do I do to... I don't know what to do to. Uh, this guy listens to all the Two True Freaks podcasts, all of everybody else's podcasts in the world too. And like when he responds to like one of our shows, it's like two day, like within a day or two after the show shows up. So he's not even like, you know, working through a list and like listening to our show from last month. He's right on it. I don't know how the guy does it. It's got to be caffeine. That's the only thing. I, and and listening on like five times speed. I know Gene too well to know that it's not harder drugs than caffeine, but I suspect I suspect coffee. Yeah. And listening to them at double, triple, quadruple speed. Yeah. <laughs> But that's where you can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find me at JGuysAndJedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also... Everybody knew I was making Hamilton jokes today because I definitely made a post of like... Let me pull up what I wrote. I wrote me, or I, I kind of paraphrased what we talked about last night. And I wrote, Chris, is, isn't the next episode we're doing them as an agent with the Hamilton after? Me, yes. Chris, you're not going to make a bunch of Hamilton jokes in your outline, right? And I was like, oh no, I wouldn't do that. And then I have a gif of me smiling evilly. <laughs> so you get that kind of fun stuff on our Twitter account if you want to follow us. Um, you can also find me, follow me at Hope Mullinex. I also have my website, which is geekygirlexperience.com, where I write all sorts of reviews and stuff like that. I am also uh, writing for the Geeky Waffle right now, and I'm actually getting together a piece for Remembering Resistance. Um, I know this is going to come out weeks later, so check out the Geeky Waffle. I am working on a piece for them right now. Remembering Resistance is the 29th, so I guess go back and look at the 29th of their day. I don't know. It comes out weeks later, but go check out the Geeky Waffle. My Resistance post should be over there. And Chris and I also have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where I force him to watch animated shows that I love. And, yeah. You want to hear the title of next week's episode? Yeah, sure. Breakout. Oh. Makes sense. Because we don't know where Sonara and Classic video game. Break. Or, oh, what's that song? You know, you make me break out. Make me break out. All I hear is Patrick Delmore singing that. Oh, you make me break out. Because get it, he's an acne teen. Oh, it's Foo Fighters. Yeah, that should be the song of the next uh, for next week's episode. Foo Fighters Breakout. Should be the song. Do you like the Foo Fighters? They are like an American treasure. (laughs) Oh, someday we're gonna do a podcast called Chris Makes Hope Listen to Music. I'm not saying the Foo Fighters are bad. I'm just saying they're not that special to me. To me. Dave Grohl is amazing. Okay. All right. Fight you. I listeners, could. Listeners, put it in the comments of, uh, you know, what do you think of oh, Foo Fighters? <laughs> I, can't, I can't listen to Dave Grohl speak for more than like 30 seconds before I just want to be just like, hang it up, dude. But that's, that's I guess that's a conversation for another day that we just stumbled upon here. <laughs> anyway, guys. There goes my hero. Put your uh, Foo Fighter 
feelings in the comments, and we'll read them. My band actually did a Foo Fighters song. Who did? My band. Oh, your band. Okay. We had a we had a show called the Diva Show where women could just randomly out just sign up for our band to do a song. That was one of the the uh, what was it? No one knows or whatever. Bam, 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 bam. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway, bye guys. Bye. Visit our website at two truefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at two truefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks. The guy rings it. Wait a minute. Uh, um, I got it in the tip of my tongue. Come on. Um, oh, golly, I'm nervous. Let me see. Oh, Alexander Dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Henry Dumbass.